Welcome back to The Brandon White Show, where we have conversations worth listening to give you an edge to win in your business and your life. I'm your host, Brandon White. Here we go. Welcome back to The Edge Podcast, giving you the edge to win in business and in life. Here's your host, Brandon White. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about naming your company product or service and using some research that I discovered to give you an edge when you're doing that. If you're anything like me, naming a new company product or service is super hard. It seems to consume an enormous amount of time. I'm going to use a software product that me and some co-founders are building as the case study. And then you can use some of the things that we're going through to relate to what you may be going through and or may go through in the future as it relates to naming your company product or service. It's really hard. There's multiple things that go into it. Every time I encounter this challenge, one is, can you get a domain name? Two is, can you come up with a cool name? And three is, can you protect it if you do come up with it? It's super hard in general. I was interested in if there was actually research out there, which there is on different types of brand names and which ones perform better so that you could get an edge just in the naming convention versus just coming up with it out of the blue. So at least there's some structure and guidance around it. I mentioned we were building a software product. We've been building this for a few years as a side hustle, and now we're really making a push to either see if it works or kill it originally was named attachment.cloud, attachmentcloud.cloud domain name was out there. Then we came up with FileFinder. The idea is that we have a product and we're going through a security audit as at this time when I'm recording this, hopefully it'll be done by the time you hear this. Maybe not. Sometimes it takes a little longer than we thought, but it helps you find files in your email that you know you have but can't find. If you're anything like us or why I came up with the idea to solve the problem for my wife, Yvette, is that you look for a file someone sent you six months ago, eight months ago, maybe even 30 days ago, and you can't find it. And it's pretty simple. It's because you have to look up the person, and then you've got to click all these emails and find the attachment and it or file, whatever it is, and it's super hard. So we came up with a app that does that. We built the software. We interviewed about 150, maybe 175 people who all said, yes, they have the problem. And now we're at a point where we get through the security audit, we get to release it. We actually get to see if people pay for it because if they don't pay for it, then we can't build a business. Having said that, we think that there's several other problems this technology solves. So to have the the name FileFinder may, at this point, really box us into a corner. I'm sure you felt that way with the name. And then there's the name, and then you have to have a tagline to explain your name. So our thought was, we didn't want to be able to have, to have this tagline and advertise and do all this marketing. We wanted to say FileFinder finds files. The question is, is if that fails and we go on to this next stage of our software build, and this could be the, if you're building a, a, a some sort of other product, same thing, you got to print things on the product. You got to do packaging. There's just so many things that you have to do. And a service, you're doing the same thing. You're going to put the name of the service on your literature. And while it may be easy, it's difficult to go back and change all of this. So we're at a point now where we're moving to a new phase of this development, if you will, of this product. And we really want to see if we could change the name to something that might be a little broader in case people actually won't pay us for that. So I'm sure you can relate to that. And that's what led to this, my research of research to figure out if you could get an edge by naming it in some way. The name of the study that I found, and I 
been going over this actually for a few weeks because it's, I don't know how many pages, it's a lot of pages. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing. I'm going to give you the cliff notes and the punchline in this episode, but I encourage you, especially if you're going through this process right now to read the study because sometimes just reading this stuff will give you some ideas. It's given us a whole bunch of ideas as it relates to what type of name we want to switch to in our in our product that we're working on. The name of the study is, Is Nestle a Lady? The Feminine Brand Name Advantage. So is there an advantage to the feminine brand name we'll talk about here? And the results were pretty interesting. This study, to give credit to the researchers, was done by Ruth Hadokar, I hope I pronounced that right, Justin Engel, Tina Lowry, L.J. Shrum and Frank Hardius. And I want to thank them for doing this study. And this was in the American Marketing Association Journal of Marketing. Their hypothesis, which there's actually five, they did five studies. They did some sub-studies within each of those studies. And I'll go over each hypothesis in a minute. But in general, the researchers believe that, or they hypothesize that, linguistically feminine names increase perceived warmth, which improves brand outcomes and performance. And we'll talk talk about what outcomes and performance means in a second. The participants in the study were students in college classes, as well as they hired for some amount of money, not a ton, people on Mechanical Turk to answer questions and take surveys. Actually, Mechanical Turk's a great place to go if you haven't used that to find and do research, because you can actually pay people for feedback on your product. People there are looking to make money on a per unit basis. I believe Amazon owns that site and company. And for, you could say, everybody who answers gets a quarter or whatever it is. And that's what they used here. And I've seen that used in a lot of studies that I've been researching lately. Let's go over first, before we go over the experiment one, which they actually looked at interbrand data and talk a little bit about the research that they found about names that might help you as you're thinking about naming. I know it helped us. They said, first, women's names are longer and on average have more syllables than males' names. So I found that interesting. And in general, women's names end in a vowel. The question of whether Nestle is a lady or not, we'll get to at the end of this episode and talk about, and it may may surprise you what we come back with. They also poured through the research and say that men's names are more likely to have a single stressed syllable. And men's names with multiple syllables usually stress the first part. So think about Robert. You emphasize the first part of Robert. It's the R-O-B. Whereas women's names usually stress the second or later syllable. So think about Roberta. It's the B-E-R that's emphasized. And I'm just using that as an example. They came up with some other interesting things here that, let me look here. I got all my notes and, well, they use the Nestle name and the, and Gap as an example. And surprisingly, Gap is more masculine. And I was thinking about that myself and it seems that I relate to it, but women do go there. So that's where this, the difference between this Nestle and Gap example, uh, we'll talk about at the end. Let's talk about the five hypothesis that the researchers had. And well, before I do that, I did catch something here in my notes. It's that feminine names invoke warmth. And the idea is, is that warmth invokes trustworthiness and that can have an outcome in the brand performance. So again, let's go back to the five. Well, they actually have four hypothesis, five studies, two studies at the end to prove hypothesis four. Hypothesis one is brand name femininity is associated with positive brand 
brand outcomes, attitudes, choice, and performance. Hypothesis number two is perceived brand warmth mediates the feminine brand name advantage. Hypothesis three, the feminine brand name advantage is attenuated attenuated when the typical user is male. So it is decreased is a hypothesis. And number four, the feminine brand name advantage is stronger for hedonic versus utilitarian products. So think of things that are vanity related versus things that are a utility like a knife. So Maybe it's things, beauty product, makeup, clothing, things like that versus a a plunger, a shovel, a piece of software that fixes something for you. We take that example. So study one, they actually looked at, or experiment one, they looked at interbrand data. Interbrand is a survey that comes out that ranks the highest performing brands. They use multiple, I don't want to go into how they actually do it, but they use multiple tests to figure out the best performing and most well-known brands. One of which things is Net Promoter Score. If you're interested in learning how to do that, which is probably Net Promoter Score, the most important question that you can actually ask your customers, then go back in previous episodes. And I did a whole series on Net Promoter Score, what it is, the industry stats by category, how to get yours, how you can set it up, how to calculate it once you do the survey. So go back and check it. Check that out in previous episodes. So study one, they looked at interbrand data. And what they found was that the top names on average are linguistically feminine. Actually, 55% of them are feminine. 36% are masculine and 9% are actually neutral. So if this is any indication that having a feminine name has an advantage, then this first study would indicate that there's probably a good takeaway to take away from that in the sense that feminine brands seem to outperform male linguistically type names in general. But they dived into some other studies to figure out if that's actually true. So in study two, they went out to Mechanical Turk. They got several hundred subjects and they asked them to list top 10 brands that they would say are cool and then top 10 brands that they would never use. And what they came back with was that the cool names were predominantly women, women's names or feminine brand names, and that the never used names had more in general after they they brought all this data together and sifted through it that male names were names that they would in general never use. Of course, I am summarizing here. There's several pages. There's a lot of pages in this study. And I have several pages of notes alone. So I encourage you again to go back and read this study, which I'll put the link in the show notes. Experiment three, they did a video, a YouTube video choice. So this was a two-part experiment, a two-part experiment where they, they, they came up with fake name. One ended in a vowel and one didn't. So one was feminine sounding and one was masculine sounding. And turns out people chose the feminine sounding name more than the masculine. And then they did a second part of the study where they asked people to pick a brand of hand sanitizer. It turns out again, the feminine sounding name won for the hand sanitizer. Study four was a sneaker choice. They came up with sneaker names and turns out again that the feminine name won. However, what they did find was that when males were presented with a feminine name, it wasn't as strong as a female picking that feminine name. So in the cases of males, there is no, it was, in one, it was barely statistically significant. So that's hard to say that 
there's a high correlation there. But then you go back to the inner brand data and you say, well, seems to be trending that way that feminine sounding names work better in general uh, or outperform. So it is important to note that it seems to influence, but if a male is responding to a female name, it does not have as as pronounced effect as a woman identifying with a female or female sounding name. They also did a study as it relates to category. And in the experiment number five, what they did was to figure out if product categories mattered. And this is where they figured out if something was a vanity or utilitarian product. And as it turns out, punchline is that a feminine sounding name for a utilitarian product does not necessarily outperform a masculine sounding name or a neutral sounding name or just a descriptive name that you might have for that utilitarian product. If you're thinking about naming your company right now with this information, if your product or service or company is more of a utility type product, service, or company, then this may not have as big as an effect. But as I'm thinking about this for our product, which is a utility, it fixes a problem. It helps you solve a very defined thing, that challenge that comes up that annoys the heck out of us, which is finding files that we know we have but can't find. I'm still feeling like we're going to name it with some sort of feminine name, whether that is actually feminine because it is inherently feminine or it ends in a vowel. I don't know, but going through this research and actually recording the episode, helping me to think about it and hopefully helping you as well, I think we're going to lean on more of a feminine sounding name to grab whatever advantage that we possibly can. We want whatever edge we can get. And if naming it in a feminine way does that, then I think it's a good thing. Why wouldn't you do that? In summary, using the researchers' words, which are way better than mine, to explain the results. The results of the six studies offer convergent evidence for the feminine brand name advantage. Specifically, feminine brand names increase perceived warmth, which is associated with more favorable attitudes and increased choice for both real and fictitious brands. They did in these studies, I didn't go over it in detail, obviously, come up with fictitious names. I mentioned that, that they did, did come up with two names. And then in the study five, they, or experiment five, they came up with, I think, as many as 10 names to figure out the product category difference and if it had an effect. I do want to get to the punchline around Nestle and is Nestle a lady? And here's what the researchers said, and we'll end on this. Hopefully this was helpful for you to think through naming your company. Sometimes just listening to something like this and getting different pieces of data switches your mindset, and then it sparks something I know going through this for me definitely did that. Here's what the researchers said. The feminine brand name advantage is no substitute for pillars of sound marketing, quality products, consumer customer service, and strong corporate culture. However, marketers would be wise to leverage the feminine brand name advantage because linguistically, Nestle is indeed a lady, one that inspires warm, positive attitude and choice. And with that, I could use a Nestle chocolate bar myself. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe because I don't want you to miss any of the future episodes. If you have any questions, please leave them in the comments. If you're watching a video, I always aim to get back to people. And if you are listening to this, you can get my email in the show notes and drop me a line. I always aim to get back to you with an answer. As importantly, 
Thanks for listening. We'll meet again in the next episode. Bye.